Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujiadine. Today is Friday, August 18th. Coming up, as homicides rise in the metro, Tamika Jenkins is grieving the sudden death of her daughter, who was killed in a mass shooting this summer. I'm never happy. It's my smile on my face is a mask, because I'm never happy. We'll hear one family's story of life after losing a daughter to gun violence. Plus, 30 years after an anti-crime program was established in Kansas City, has it actually made a difference? Assessing some of these programs is very tough, but I always say, what if we didn't have these programs in there? But first, some headlines. Marion, Kansas could end up paying a big legal settlement if a federal lawsuit proves the police raid on the local newspaper was illegal. Dylan Lyson of the Kansas News Service reports that cost would land on the local taxpayers. Legal experts say the search and seizure at the Marion County newspaper likely violated the First Amendment and the newspaper could pursue a federal lawsuit against the city that employs the police. That could cost the city hundreds of thousands of dollars or more. Attorney Mark Johnson says the city may promise to make policy changes, but a financial legal settlement may be the only way to get the message across. It's paying money that changes behavior. Bernie Rhodes, a lawyer for the newspaper, called the search unconstitutional. He says a federal lawsuit is possible. The Kansas City Royals say the team has agreed to a new contract with unionized workers at Kauffman Stadium. But KCUR's Sam Zeff reports the Service Employees International Union isn't completely pleased. In a statement, the Royals say the new three-year deal pays ushers, ticket takers, and grounds crew near the top of stadium workers in Major League Baseball. SEIU, which represents union workers at the K, says it has no idea if that's true because the Royals won't share that information. Union organizer Rose Welch also says even though new contracts have been signed, charges by the National Labor Relations Board that the team engaged in bad faith bargaining remain. It is very important that the Kansas City Royals are held accountable for their violations of labor law. The Royals say the new contracts demonstrate the team values the work of SEIU members. Kansas City voters in November will decide whether to approve a three-eighths percent sales tax to fund public transit for the next 10 years. The city council approved the ballot measure yesterday. If voters renew the tax, the city will transfer money from the tax to the Kansas City Area Transportation Authority. Nick Miller of the local transit union supports the renewal. It wouldn't be possible for KCATA to be the face for transportation for the Super Bowl wins that we have. Of all the cities the KCATA serves, Kansas City pays the most into the transit agency. Officials say the renewed tax would generate more than $400 million over 10 years. We'll be back after this. This podcast is looking for good deals on great food, but sometimes we need to grab a bite late at night. What are some of your favorite late night happy hours in the KC Metro? Text us at 816-601-4777. That's 816-601-4777. Standard texting rates apply. 
Jackson County's community-backed anti-crime tax, known as COMBAT, is celebrating its 30th anniversary this year. The first-of-its-kind program has been lauded for reducing crime in Kansas City. But KCUR's Lawrence Brooks IV reports that with gun deaths climbing each year, measuring whether the money is making a difference can be a challenge. For the family of 12-year-old Harrison Lockwood, the money and mentorship he gets from working in the Youth Life Job Program is irreplaceable. They're proud. They were happy to find out that I've started to learn how to save and when I make money. They're proud that I've learned life lessons and stuff, how to do certain things, like start a lawnmower. This is Lockwood's first year with the program as a landscaper. He works with 19-year-old Kyle Bruce, who's been there longer. Bruce says he appreciates the chance to pass down what he's learned. Having somebody looking up to me, is, it really actually helps me a lot. It makes me think about everything I do. And even Danger picking up stuff that I teach him or him teaching me things. Bruce and Lockwood are among about 30 youths employed by the nonprofit Sisters in Christ in Raytown. The organization got more than $550,000 this year from Jackson County's anti-crime tax known as Combat. Combat's money comes from a quarter of a percent sales tax approved by county voters in 1989. It has raised more than $20 million each year for the past decade. But what looks like success at a group like Sisters in Christ isn't necessarily reflected in Kansas City's homicide numbers. And Combat's finances have come into question in the past. The city has only had one year in the last 10 where homicide totals were under 100. And the last three years ended with more than 150 homicides, with 2020 breaking the city's record. Combat Director Vincent Ortega admits it's a serious issue and bad optics for his program. Assessing some of these programs is very tough, but I always say, what if we didn't have these programs in there? How bad would it be now? We know at least we have boots on the ground. Combat's history of money mismanagement hit a breaking point in 2018 when the program's oversight was moved from the county executive's office to the prosecutor. Two audits in the next two years reported no criminal wrongdoing, but they did reveal millions of tax dollars have been spent with little or no oversight for decades. Prosecutor Gene Peters Becker told KMBC 9 TV in 2019 that money was spent on things that had nothing to do with combat. Other funds were taken for other county operations, and that's not okay. That's not what those dollars were ever intended for. Since then, Combat says it has hired program monitors to inspect nonprofits that get the money. Their response to a sunshine request from KCUR, more than 60 inspection reports from 2022, appears to confirm that. Steadfast, Ortega believes in the mission, and he knows the county's crime problem isn't one police can arrest their way out of. We can't just look at the youth if he's being traumatized at home, so we have to work with the whole family, bringing wraparound services to them. That's really how we're making a difference. After analyzing crime data from 11 county police agencies and identifying five high crime areas where combat could best focus, Ortega started the Striving Initiative. It's the avenue through which money gets to groups like the one that hired Lockwood and Bruce in Raytown, called Sisters in Christ. So this striving process is pulling us together. I work with the school district, I work with the police department, we work with other agencies. That's Carolyn Whitney, who founded the nonprofit to support underserved people in Kansas City's old suburb to the east. After seeing swift demographic change from mostly white to mostly African-American and immigrants over the last decade, she knows families need help. Like Ortega, she says even as murder totals mount, 
things would be worse without groups like hers and the tax money they put back into the community. People are high risk, underserved, so they don't have the same funding, the same jobs, the same income. Are we prepared for that to give them the resources so we can help people? With homicides on pace to shatter the record set in 2020, measuring the effectiveness of combat's approach won't be getting any easier. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Lawrence Brooks IV. Frequently after shootings, the news focuses on suspects, victims, and charges. KCUR's Beck Shackleford Wanganga reports there's another story about the lasting pain suffered by family and friends who are left behind. Tamika Jenkins has a full house. The split-level home sits on a quiet, wooded street in South Kansas City. Jenkins lives with her husband, two grown children, and two grandchildren. Lately, there's been a constant rotation of friends and family coming to visit. You know when you say, oh, after two weeks, is everybody's going to stop coming, stop calling, and all that. No, my family's still coming, and I definitely appreciate them because I definitely need them. Jenkins' oldest daughter, 28-year-old Jassity Strong, or Jazz as her loved ones called her, was killed on June 25th in a mass shooting in the parking lot of an auto body shop on 57th and Prospect, known to be an after-hours party spot. June 25th was Jazz's birthday. Her mother says she and other family members were waiting at her house for Jazz to come home and celebrate with them that night. But it started to get late, so everyone went home. And then that's when we got the call that she was gone. Jenkins is having a hard time holding herself together after her daughter's death. In addition to grieving Jassity, Jenkins is grieving her mom, who passed earlier this year. Jenkins says she feels alone. Some days, she wants to give up. I got lupus, and I've stopped taking my medicine. I I wasn't taking my medicine for a while because I wanted to be where they at. Jassity, like a lot of other women who lost their lives to gun violence this year, had children a six-year-old daughter, Kirsten, and a one-year-old son, Junior. Junior is living with his father, but Jenkins had to take Kirsten in. I have to start it all over again. I was so happy when my son graduated school. I'm like, yeah, I'm done with school. Just to have to start it over in first grade again. Roughly a month before the mass shooting that killed Jassity, there was another at Climax Lounge on Indiana and 43rd. Three people died and two were injured. One of them was 24-year-old Antoinette Brinson. Loved ones knew her as Libby, and she and Jassity were close friends. According to one of Libby's aunts, Libby also left behind young children. Three of them. Libby's aunt, Crystal Rayner, took the kids in. Less than a month later, Rayner, who also has a teenage son, was herself found fatally shot in a car on I-670. No one from the family chose to be quoted for this story. We are seeing a large number of children come into our care that have experienced trauma not once, but twice or more times than that. Tony Vaughn is a therapist for Ad Hoc Group Against Crime. She says she has seen a lot of cases where kids lose one or both parents to gun violence. Many think losing loved ones is normal or will happen again, Vaughn says, and if not properly addressed, can result in generational trauma. They're taking this with them into their adulthood, and they're having to unpack this when they, you know, grow and get into other relationships or try to build a family of their own. Jesse's family is working hard to move forward. Jenkins says they've started group therapy sessions. And together, she and her sister, Trish Mitchell, are pushing the state to ban open and concealed carry of firearms at public gatherings. Mitchell says they don't want to take people's gun rights away, but they need to leave their guns at home or in the car. For some people, that time it takes to get to your car and get that gun might give you a moment to think. 
It might give you a moment of pause and help you understand that it's not that serious. A suspect has been charged with second-degree felony murder in connection to Jassidy's death, but this is little consolation to her grieving mother. The loss has changed Jenkins, who says on some days she's enraged. On others, she is so depressed she can hardly leave her bedroom. Jenkins says she's afraid to be in large crowds and worries for her other kids. She's missing days at work. I'm never happy. It's my smile on my face is a mask because I'm never happy. Jenkins says she and Jazz had what she called an unbreakable bond. All that's left of that bond are the countless videos and photos Jazz Eddie used to send her mom to cheer her up. This girl, here it is. If you're feeling down, here's something. Lift your spirits. Love you, mama. Like this one, where Jazz sings along to her car radio. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Beck Shackle Ford Wanganga. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. This podcast is produced by Trevor Grandin and KCUR Studios. It's edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To read Beck's story about Tamika Jenkins and Lawrence's story about combat, visit kcur.org, where you can find more local news from Kansas City's NPR station. On Monday, we'll hear why the foster care system in Kansas still isn't meeting standards, years after a lawsuit tried to improve care for foster kids. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week.